There's an author that I really appreciate. His name is Sky Jatani. In fact, I had you, uh, we gave away some books of his. Uh, he's the one that wrote the book, uh, What If Jesus Was Serious About Prayer? We gave away several copies of that at the beginning of the year. Sky Jatani is an amazing thinker, an amazing writer, amazing speaker. I, I listen to him an awful lot. He had a story the other day about his maternal grandparents, his mother's mother and father. Both of them served in World War II. His grandfather flew B-17 bombers, and his grandmother was a part of the nursing corps. She was a nurse in the army. In fact, she was among the first, uh, the first of the medical help to land on Normandy just after D-Day. She was there. She was one of those. Skye said that she always kept her footlocker that she had from her military days. She kept it locked, and the instruction was no one was to open that until after she died. And so after 60 years, she passed away. The family gathered, and they opened the footlocker, and they found love letters from between her and her husband as they were both serving in various places. They found, the, they found their, their, father, their grandfathers, they, they found his flying cross that he had been awarded. They found mementos of their grandmother's service in the nursing corps. And among the things that she had kept there in the bottom of her footlocker was a swastika armband that a Nazi soldier had worn. Among all of those things that she had held on to, there was a symbol of the enemy. Why, why was there a symbol of the enemy among her personal effects? Well, as a nurse, the grandmother didn't just care for wounded allied soldiers. She cared for the enemy soldiers as well. And one German soldier was so grateful for the care that he received from her that he gave her his armband and she kept it. But she was worried that her family would never understand why she held on to that. I hope we understand. I hope we understand because we understand blessed are the peacemakers. And peacemakers never happen. Peacemaking never happens on a national level, an international level. Peacemaking never happens as a result of war. It happens one-on-one, person-to-person. As care is offered, as forgiveness is extended, we see Jesus in each other. That's how peace works. Person to person, becoming friend to friend. General MacArthur, Douglas MacArthur once said, a truce a truce just means you don't shoot for a while. But peace comes when the truth is known, the issue is settled, and the parties embrace each other. That was MacArthur. And then in Matthew chapter 5, We read beginning in verse 1, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed blessed are the merciful, for they are the ones who shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they 
shall see God. And blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. And blessed, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Did you hear the connection? Did you hear how on our map to Jesus we've made a loop? We began with, the, with those who, who, who are uh, poor in spirit, that theirs is the kingdom of heaven, and we conclude with those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's the same blessing. Jesus is letting us know that this is not about achievements. This is not about attaining the blessings and working hard for them. This is about walking with Him. This is about living for Him. This is what being a disciple of Jesus looks like. It looks like these people we encounter on this map. And it looks like being a peacemaker. It looks like those who pursue peace above all else. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. When He said that, He didn't have General MacArthur in mind. He didn't have those people in mind. Instead, he had those like Sky Jatani's grandmother who, who will cross boundaries, who will cross streets, who will cross aisles to, to make peace, to show that, that not only will they mend bodies, but they will mend hearts and show that peace matters more. When Jesus is first in our lives, peace becomes the priority. And so blessed are the peacemakers. This is a blessing that Jesus offers to those who would follow Him. And this blessing leaves us with the realization that if you are a follower of Jesus, you will be a peacemaker. If you are a follower of Jesus, you will be a peacemaker. None of the Beatitudes are optional. This is not a cafeteria of blessings, okay? Where we say, I need a little meekness. I need just a little bit of comfort. But I don't want the poverty. I don't want the, the poor in spirit. No thank you. I don't have a taste for that. No, this is not a cafeteria style blessing. We all live through these blessings. We all walk with them. We all mourn. We all hunger for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Isn't something chosen for just a few people? Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And where Jesus reigns, we will find peace. And we will find peacemakers. Now Jesus' brother James seems to have picked up on that in his little letter you find in the back of your Bibles. We're going to be there in James chapter 3 today, verses 13-18. through 18. James 3, 13-18. Those blue Bibles in front of you, it's page 1012. If you've got your Bible app, the notes are all on there and all of the Scripture references are all on there. But as we read James 3 here, he really seems to be reflecting on the Beatitudes. In fact, if you have some time later, just go through everything that we're reading today and see how many Beatitudes you can find. See how many little hints and, and, and little allusions to the Beatitudes you find in these verses. James is reflecting on those who are meek, on those who show mercy, uh, on those who are peacemakers. But you also can't miss that James 3 comes right on the heels of some things that he has to say about how we don't always have control of our tongues. <laughs> about how we don't control the things that we say to other people very well. In fact, if you back up James 3, verse 8, no human being can tame the tongue. 
It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. And so while we struggle with the things that we say about other people, as we struggle about anger, with anger, with divisions, James calls us instead to peace. Chapter 3, verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it's earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Please don't miss the sequence that Jesus has been leading us through in the Beatitudes. Blessed are the peacemakers. They shall be called sons of God. It follows right on the heels of verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. The pure in heart naturally seek peace. Every Christian, according to Jesus, is meant to be a peacemaker. Every Christian is meant to be a peacemaker in their church. Every Christian is meant to be a peacemaker in their community. Every Christian is meant to be a peacemaker on their community's Facebook page. Okay? Every Christian is meant to be a peacemaker. This is not an option. This is not just for people of a certain disposition. That's just the way they are. They're peaceful like that. To follow Jesus is to be a peacemaker. That is who we are. Again, verse 18. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I still like the way the NIV puts that one. The NIV says instead, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. I like that because it fits with these beatitudes. You hear the connection, blessed are the peacemakers who sow in peace. They reap a harvest of righteousness, but blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And even more, I think you hear the connection to Jesus. Jesus came to make peace between us and God. And all through the Beatitudes, we can't help but see you don't keep these Beatitudes to yourself. You don't hoard these Beatitudes. You share them. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted and they will in turn comfort others. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Jesus is our peacemaker, and the only response we can have is to become peacemakers ourselves. That's just how it works. But we do have to confront a very important reality. There's a reality that we have to confront, and that is this. Being a peacemaker does not always result in peace. Being a peacemaker will not always result in peace. Jesus follows the blessed are the peacemakers with this blessing that has a bit of a warning. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. If you remember a few weeks ago, we saw the other one of the other Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst 
for righteousness. They will be satisfied. And we came to see that righteousness is more than just about my right relationship with God. It's more than just about me and my attitude and my righteousness and, and, and who I am. It's, a, it's something we seek for everyone. It's the desire for everyone to come under God's right rule. Righteousness is justice for all. Righteousness is wholeness. It is healing of relationships. Righteousness is grace and peace. Not everyone wants that. Not everyone wants peace to be made. There are those, <laughs> there are those who love conflict, aren't there? There are those who love conflict, and conflict, <laughs> conflict is a lot more entertaining than peace. Conflict is, is more entertaining. It's a better show than peace. There are those for whom conflict is better because it lets them know where they fit in. Because as long as there's conflict, you've got sides. And when there are sides, I know which side I'm on and I know who's on my side. We're able to divide up easier. And sadly, sometimes it's those who are closest to us who reject any attempt to make peace. Jesus said that Himself. In fact, Jesus said that, that conflict is the inevitable result of His coming. Just Five chapters on further down in Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, verses 34 through 36, Jesus says, Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. Wait a minute. Blessed are the peacemakers, they shall be called sons of God. You're the Son of God. He says, Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and the daughter in law against her mother in law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Sorry, I saw you sitting there. I just had to. And very often, what Jesus is saying is very often it's those closest to us. It's those closest to us when they see that we are no longer about their drama, when they see that we are no longer about their conflict, we become enemies. Now, does that mean that peacemaking isn't worth it? Does that mean that peacemaking is something we shouldn't do? It doesn't work? No. In fact, it shows us just how necessary it is. But you know, when, when reconciliation doesn't happen, when wounds aren't healed, when division continues, what do we do then? The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12, verse 18. Romans 12, 18. My goodness, we ought to have this one memorized. It's short. We ought to have it written out and taped to our computer monitors. It ought to be in front of us at all times with every interaction that we have, whether it's in person or online. Romans 12, verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Can we honestly say we've done that? Can we honestly say that's us? Or would we have to admit that every now and then we stir the pot just to see what comes to the top? You like to just keep this pot stirring just to see, just to see who reacts, just to see who responds? Can we honestly say that we haven't sometimes just dug that knife in a little more and given it a little bit of a twist just to, just to keep the pain alive? Can we honestly say that we haven't gossiped just to see who's on whose side and find out which side... If they're on my side or are they on someone else's side? 
Have we chosen peace when it was easier to keep conflict alive? Have we chosen peace when conflict would get us more attention? Verse 13, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in all meekness of wisdom. You can have conflict and your conduct can still look like Jesus. You can have conflict and you can still sound like Jesus. You can still demonstrate His character. In fact, if you look on down again, verse 17, we'll come back to it again. But the wisdom from above is first pure and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. You see the other Beatitudes? In that one verse, pure in heart is there. Meekness, peacemakers, merciful. They're all at play here. Being a peacemaker is less about how the other person responds and it's, about, it's more about the commitment in your heart. It's more about your commitment to peace. Your commitment to Jesus. And that's one of the blessings of being a peacemaker. No matter how the other person responds. When you're a peacemaker, no matter what the response of the other person you are never alone when you seek peace. If you're committed to being a peacemaker, I promise you this, feel lonely. It can feel very lonely to be a peacemaker. It means going against the tide. It means fighting that urge within yourself to stir things up, to keep the conflict going. And it also means putting in the hard work, the heart work of pursuing peace. Making peace is not appeasement. You understand the difference? Making peace is not just appeasing everyone. That's keeping the peace. Jesus doesn't say, blessed are the peacekeepers. There's no effort in peacekeeping. But instead, we pursue peace. Just as that psalm said, seek peace and pursue it. Making peace is not appeasement. Making peace will cost us. In fact, making peace costs Jesus Dearly, it cost him his lifeblood. And you'll feel that cost when you make peace. But you're never alone when you seek peace. For once, for one, when you, when you commit to making peace, you know that Jesus is with you. First of all, it's his call, right? It's his promise. It's his blessing. Blessed are the peacemakers, he says. They will be sons of God. You notice he identifies, he himself identifies with the peacemakers. He gives them the same title, sons of God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14 says of Jesus, He is our peace. Right? He is our peace. And when you commit to peace, when you commit to healing hurt relationships, when you commit to restoring connections, Jesus is with you. Jesus is with you. And you know that the Holy Spirit is with you. Look one more time at verse 17. The Holy Spirit is also with you. Verse 17, for the wisdom from above is first of all pure, and then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, and good fruits, impartial and sincere, full of good fruits. Does that sound familiar? Yeah, in fact, you can look through those listed there and you can see the fruit of the Spirit. Just as we see the Beatitudes, you can see the fruit of the Spirit at play there. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 2 and 3, Paul writes, Bear with one another. Bear with one another in love, eager, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. You know, 
for all those times when we desire to feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, when we just want to say, oh, I can feel that the Holy Spirit is here, never forget that the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of peace. He doesn't dwell in division. He doesn't dwell in our arguments. He doesn't dwell in factions. His promise is peace. And we also can't miss that as we have the unity, the unity of the Spirit, Paul calls us to bear with one another. And it's easy to miss this, and it is such a... such. But Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers. It's plural. It's not blessed is the peacemaker. Blessed are the peacemakers. That's you and me. That's us together. No one should ever seek peace alone. The promise rather is that as we are the body of Christ, we seek peace together and we receive the blessings together. We are called sons of God. We are called His children. We are one family. And again, we've come full circle. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we realize that this map that has always led us to Jesus, it's also led us to each other. God has The goal has never been what we could gain for ourselves. The goal has never been that this will be my blessing. That one's going to be your blessing. You, I'll keep this one, you keep that one. I don't want your blessing, you don't want my blessing. The goal has never been what we could gain for ourselves, but to recognize who we are together. The life that we do together with differences. Yes but each seeking the kingdom for each other because we are on this journey to Jesus together. We're going to take a closer look at that over the summer, by the way. Over the summer, we're going to, to look at that truth, the truth of who we are together. We're going to look at the images that we find in the Bible of this life that we share, this life that we have in common. Because for everything there is that divides us, and there is so much in this world that divides us. There is so much more that, that is in our faces and, and in front of us all the time that just seeks to divide us. There is so much more though that unites us. And what unites us promises us blessing because the One who unites us blesses us and offers us forgiveness and offers us His kingdom. That Scripture there in Ephesians says He Himself, He is our peace. And we can trust His presence in peace. When we allow divisions within our relationships, when we allow divisions within our families, when we allow, when we allow the things that we say, the things that we respond to, uh, the things that we react to, when we allow those things to divide us, we have no promise of identity with Jesus. We have no promise of His identity. Because instead we read there in Ephesians 2, He Himself is our peace. And so to be a peacemaker, to be one who would seek peace and pursue it, as, as David writes in that psalm, to be one who seeks peace and pursues it is one who seeks Jesus and pursues Him. When we come to the bread, we come to the cup, and we're reminded that when Jesus, when Jesus sought peace for us, He gave His all. It cost Him everything. It cost Him His body. It cost Him His blood. It cost Him His life. And yet the promise that you and I have received, the peace that we know, was worth 
was worth the cost. The peace that you make with someone else may cost you dearly. It may cost your reputation. It may cost some friendships. But I promise you, what you gain in response, what you gain instead, is worth it. Because you gain Jesus. I'm going to pray. We're going to sing. And then we'll take together. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, You are our peace. You are the one that has broken down the walls that divide us. As Paul writes there, those are walls that that kept people apart. They're also walls that kept people from God. The people walls that kept people from your Father. And so we thank you for being our peace. We thank you for the way you connect us, the way that you draw us to your Father. And today we take the bread, remembering your body broken. We take the cup, remembering bloodshed, remembering the cost of peace, knowing that peace does not come cheap. And we pledge ourselves to You again. And we pledge ourselves to seeking peace, to pursuing it, and to making peace. And we thank You for the promise that You, when we seek peace, You know us, You identify with us, and You call us Your own. Thank You. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.